You're listening to Tech Talks, the TV industry podcast from Broadcast Tech Magazine. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech Magazines. In this episode of Broadcast Tech Talks, I'm talking to Adam Hayhurst, Head of Broadcast at Marketing Agency Amplify. He's the former Head of Events at the BBC and talks here about his role setting up the broadcast infrastructure for BBC Radio 1's Live Lounge and his love for live streaming. Hayhurst reveals what he sees as a string of benefits of live streaming over pre-recorded content and also provides his top tips for creating high-quality images while filming subjects at home during lockdown. I've had a fairly typical upbringing through the ranks of BBC television before transferring into digital as a founding producer of the video channels at BBC Radio 1, One Extra and BBC Music. Later returning into traditional broadcasting as a head of department and leading on the BBC's cross-genre live events portfolio outside of London. I joined Amplify, where I am now, back in February with a view to look at how we weave broadcast into the experiential and content magic that Amplify already creates. And I'm particularly motivated by complex live broadcast challenges, where the objective is to engage with diverse and hard-to-reach audiences around the world. When I moved into Radio 1, um, YouTube itself had only been around for a few years, just been bought by Google, and we were trying to find a place for this visualization to sit. And at somewhere like the BBC, that's quite a complex challenge because it's not television and it's not radio. And an yeah. organization that's based on service licenses has to try and place this beast. And it really, we were just kind of trying stuff out against all of the odds to a degree in an organization that you know is so big and has such accountability and transparency, but really interesting learning curve. And how did you choose that kind of kit at the time? You were obviously having to innovate because it wasn't like there was a lot of this kind of lower budget live streaming going on <laughs> no uh, no quite black magic were yes. kicking about at the time and they had a few products that had come to market that essentially unlocked this as a possibility the live lounge that whole entire floor the production workflow that we built relied on two key environmental conditions you have to surround yourself with intelligent and skilled people and actually listen to what they have to say joe o'connor our project engineer who's still there and also one of the smartest people I've ever met, a guy called Jeff House, who, who was a, an engineer in BBC News, still is. And their council is essentially what made that happen. Right. You had uh, people like me going, I need it to do this. And um, I can draw where all the cameras are and I can draw the bits of kit that they go to. But there's bits of functionality that we simply can't afford. For example, there's six studios there and um, we need the device in each studio that automatically cuts to the camera of the person who's speaking know what network it's on and to send that live stream to the right encoder without us having to have a master control room that's responsible for that Um, and I don't know how to do that I know that it needs to happen I know how to write that down and these guys do know and if the product doesn't exist the BBC is part of a small group of companies that have that scale and those expertise sitting around to say well that product doesn't exist well we we probably have someone who can make it In addition to all those studios cutting to air at the right time, we needed it to be recorded in an environment where it was captured in broadcast quality and accessible and clippable by people who weren't editors that could Mm. go back and say, oh, um, Will Smith came in and wrapped an alternative version of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We didn't know he was going to do it, uh, but we need to engineer this to a point where the producer just has to press one button in a studio and the cameras turn on and they cut to whoever's talking and the lights come on and everybody's lit beautifully. And then afterwards, they simply log into a web based 
system and go, this is where it started, this is where it's finished, export it and publish it. And those gaps were filled in by proprietary bits of software and hardware, which, you know, which the market has now caught up with. Where were you streaming this content to? And was it being streamed live? It streamed live all the time with a holding slide. And they simply did a call to action on air when they were going to do something. And then when they hit that button, uh, the cameras would cut from that uh, holding slide and cut the, uh, the bit of content. And then they'd end it by hitting the, the holding slide back up that said something like, nothing interesting is going on right now. Join us next time we tell you to. We did some great big things. I mean, my favorite from a format perspective is always the live lounge symphonies. We did Lewis Capaldi in Croxteth Park, which is, you know, one of the most deprived areas in the country, but we mm. took the 1975 to uh, Blackpool. So they've all appeared on the red button. They go on uh, the BBC website and in some cases on YouTube. Always live. The question I ask most at the inception stage of all our incoming briefs now at Amplify uh, is why not do it live? Of course, it's often not the answer, but it should always be one of the questions. I'm hugely passionate about live broadcasts. They're timely, they create an appointment to view, a mm. collective endeavor, and they're more exciting than pre-records. With your clients at Amplify, is this something that some of them have done before or considered doing before? Is this a sort of uncharted territory to some degree, thinking about doing something live? And, and also what kind of content might they look to do live? I've not been at Amplify very long, um, but in the time that I have been there, um, I've been able to speak with quite a few of their clients. And what I found is a bit of a mixed bag of perception. So how difficult or expensive people think this mm. might be. And often the reason people like pre-recorded content is it, it's safe. It's what they know. Yeah. There's infinite chances to comment, to develop, to change. And with live content, you have to be ready on your mark and everyone has to be coordinated and aligned. When you speak to clients, there's a concern and that is live streaming quality. While my roots clearly are in traditional broadcast, I'm constantly defensive of live streaming and the many misconceptions that brands and broadcasters have. Mm. Streaming is widely considered inferior to traditional live broadcast and the stakes or the quality threshold is held in some less regard, which is hugely misplaced. Whether it's the cameras, the audio or the production, what you're filming should primarily dictate the method of capture, much more so than where it's going. Live streaming has the power to outperform television on just about every measure, resolution, reach, accessibility, cost effectiveness, attribution, stats, interactivity. Mm -hmm. Productions often look for savings in equipment or in scale. And while this is proven, of course, to save some money, it always affects the output. Taking away a camera, an episode, a big screen, using a smaller studio or cutting back on fancy lighting, it will always affect the content. It will degrade. Now, this seeks not to undermine any broadcast skills or the quality of live TV, but by challenging conventions and cutting back on some of the pomp and ceremony of traditional television, we're able to ring fence more of those frontline resources that really make a difference to the program. For example, let's take one of those, those live lounge symphonies. If you're filming a 99 piece orchestra, you'd most likely have camera scripts. Traditionally, certainly you would. That's a costly and timely exercise. Hire instead a score reader for the day and they can sit next to the director and go, violin's next, uh, a bar before the director needs to get there. And once that's had a couple of rehearsals, you'd not be able to tell the difference. In fact, the five live lounge symphonies, each with their 99-piece orchestras, were all directed this way. Mm -hmm. And if you compare those with, for example, the Ibiza Prom, the average viewer would most likely find the shot differences completely indistinguishable. 
and it will probably save you a few thousand pounds, which, which is a jib or a super technocrane. Mm. And this is, I think, where the interpretation of what matters is key. The show is for the audience. Anything you do as a comfort blanket for production that the audience doesn't notice or that they don't care about mm. must be considered to some degree superfluous. The live lounge looks like it's being directed by experts at live music mixing and camera operating. There is no one else on the planet who records as much live music as they do mm. and streams it live to mm. as many people. And you wouldn't believe how light of foot that is. It's, it's, it's barely over any fixed costs. One unwritten rule of broadcasting or branded content is to make sure you're doing it better than the audience can do at home. I think that's, that's what separates the two. And that's simple things like framing up shots so that they look like contributions from telly and not Skype. Mm. Mm. You know, sending out slightly nicer cameras or grip or ring lights, which can take years off. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, to push the envelope as far as possible, we're teaching some people about three-point lighting and where to put their cameras and themselves within a room to get the best aesthetic. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, not to fall into an easy trap like having a window as I have now right behind me <laughs> or leaving a fan on or the trampoline. <laughs> You're talking um, about uh, a mother of the musician recording uh, their pop video. How, how's, uh, yeah, how's that coming about? How are you going to sort of make sure that you get something of you know, relatively good quality from that? So this one, to a degree, is a bit of a leap of faith and it's an experiment. Uh, and I suppose it's putting into practice what, exactly what I've just said. So yeah. we have um, an artist who's, uh, who's doing a performance, one of our clients, that the plan was that we would live stream that. That's now, of course, prohibitive in the current mm. circumstances and likely to remain so. Both we and the client are very keen to honour that, that uh, commitment to the artist and to try and allow them to do that stream regardless. And what we're also very keen not to do is have her perform to the tiny camera on her laptop. So what we're sending this particular artist is three Sony A7 Mark IIs, the SLR mm -hmm. camera. Mm -hmm. um, and I chose them because they've got really large sensor, but also their autofocus is based on a, a really quite well-tuned face recognition mm. uh, system. So if they do lean back and we've got quite narrow depths of field on the lenses that we've chosen, it will follow them. And so we don't have them going in and out of focus, etc. Mm. And each of those three cameras is on a tripod with a ring light on it uh, it's a broadcast spec ring light just for the sake of making sure that it does exactly what we want a ring light to do instead of tripping fuses each of those uh, cameras has a top mic and they go into the new mini pro that allows you to stream directly to a certain number of platforms including facebook um youtube twitch etc the only two people in the house uh, are the artist and her mum at the moment. So um, I'm setting up that kit now at home just to make sure it works. There's not a lot to plug in, but I'm labeling it up anyway. And then we're sending that over to her. And then she's got a week, both her and her mum, to set those three cameras up. We'll, of course, give her counsel. So what I'm hoping for is, you know, an MCU of the musician, a wide of the room, and then a close up on fingers or pedals. And then with a little counsel uh, with her mum, just to go through the basics of cutting to the beat and what we want to see and when, and little practice, I think we stand to create something that, you know, will rival some of the, the lower end professional live broadcasts. And I'd be really intrigued. I'll be watching the comments like a hawk. I think that we could be onto a winner. And once we've done one and we've learned what does and doesn't work and what isn't, isn't easy, what, what, to, what to do going forward. Nice one. Look out to yourself. You too. See you soon. Take care, mate. Bye. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Broadcast Tech Tours podcasts. Subscribe now and I'll see you next time.